I'm what you would call a teleological existential atheist. I believe that there's an intelligence to the universe, with the exception of certain parts of New Jersey. Coming up on Philosophy Talk, the concept of God, Buddha, Shiva, Christ, Jah. The only word for this is transcendent. I mean, this man is God. He's got millions of followers who would crawl all the way across the world just to touch the hem of his garment. Yeah, must be a tremendous hem. You are so self-righteous, you know? I mean, we're just people. We're just human beings, you know? You think you're God. I gotta model myself after someone. Our guest is Richard Swinburne from Oxford University. The concept of God, coming up on Philosophy Talk after the news. Unbelievably transplendent. Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm John Perry. And I'm Ken Taylor. We're coming to you from the studios of KALW in San Francisco. Continuing conversations that begin at Philosopher's Corner on the Stanford campus. Today, the concept of God. First, we'll, we'll ask exactly what we mean when we talk about God. A person, an impersonal force, nature itself, perhaps. Then we'll zero in on some at least apparent puzzles and paradoxes that arise out of the Judeo-Christian Islamic conception of God as an all-perfect, omniscient, omnipotent, and ideally moral being. And then finally, we'll consider Plato's ancient question, the one he raised in the Euthyphro. Is the good good just because God likes it, or does God like the good because it's good? But first, John, I want you to tell me this. Why exactly are we talking about the concept of God instead of talking about God himself or about the existence of God? Well, let me appeal to my pal David Hume to help answer that. He, he puts uh, this little argument into the mouth of his character Philo to show how easy it is to prove that God exists. Nothing exists without a cause. The original cause of this universe, whatever it may be, we call God and piously ascribe to him every species of perfection. But if I remember my Hume, Philo's being ironic there. I mean, the Big Bang could be the original cause of the universe, but does that make it God? That's weird. No, you're exactly right. Uh, you remember your Hume well, Ken. Philo is being ironic. His point is that until we decide what we mean by the term God, until we decide what attributes God has to have, there's no substance in discussing whether God exists or doesn't exist. Some people might call the Big Bang God. Others would say, well, the Big Bang isn't God. It's, it hasn't got the requisite uh, properties of caring and charm. Others say God has to be a person. But finally, some people have a very abstract conception of God as just what, whatever you're ultimately concerned about. So I get your point. I mean, in order to, the reason we're talking about the concept of God, because we want to say, what properties does something really have to have to deserve the title God, right? Absolutely. And, and we're not just spinning our wheels here. Historically, there are different conceptions of God, and they're associated with different religious traditions, different sects also within a religion, and, and even different thinkers within a sect. And often the debates about the nature of God turn on really philosophically interesting issues, which is why we're thinking about it. Well, and I, I can see that. I mean, a lot of thinkers think that if God is perfect, then God must be infinite, say, since any limitation, uh, any restriction would be a limitation, and limitations are imperfections. But other thinkers think uh, an infinite being? That makes no sense. It rises all kinds of paradoxes. 
Well, maybe the biggest divide is over whether God has to be a person. The so-called Abrahamic religions, that is Judaism and Christianity and Islam, that all trace uh, their traditions back to Abraham of the Old Testament, who spoke with God, they think of God as a person, the very guy we read about in the Old Testament that spoke to Abraham. But a single God as a person like that isn't so clearly a part of all other religions like Buddhism and Hinduism. Well, you know, if God is supposed to be an infinite and perfect person, he doesn't sound very much like any person I know. They're all finite and not so perfect. And he doesn't sound like the God of the Old Testament who is wrathful, vengeful, jealous, prone to ethnic cleansing. That He doesn't sound so infinite. Well, so you might think, Ken, but that's why some of the smartest philosophers of each generation end up devoting a lot of their synapses to working these things out. Now, we have one of them with us today to help us, Richard Swinburne from Oxford, and he's going to hopefully explain how this all fits together. You know, if we're going to spend most of our time trying to understand this concept of God in the Abrahamic tradition, maybe we ought to first spend a little time on some other conceptions of God. Well, our roving philosophical reporter, Zoe Corneli, spoke to someone with a very different view of God. She files this report. San Francisco is home to just about every concept of God you can imagine. I headed down to the Saraha Center, a Buddhist temple right in the heart of the city. It's part of the new Kadampa tradition, a sect that has sparked controversy for breaking with the Dalai Lama and for having what some call a cult-like devotion to the movement's religious leaders. My name is Michael Rollins. I'm a teacher here at Saraha Buddhist Center, and I've been studying and practicing with this tradition for about seven years. Rollins says before becoming a Buddhist, he was living on the streets, addicted to crack cocaine and methamphetamines. Now he lives in a house with 14 other Buddhist practitioners and dedicates about 30 hours a week to the temple. I asked him about the Buddhist concept of God. In the new Kadampa tradition, we don't believe in such a God as a creator of the world. However, we believe that the world appears to a mind that perceives it So there's no inherent world that exists independently of a mind that perceives that world. So uh, it it would almost be like each one of us is God or the creator to our own world. What I experience is my truth and what you experience is your truth. And there's no judgment to be able to say that I'm right and you're wrong. That leads me to a thought experiment. What if, in the world that I create through my perception, I strongly believe that God exists? Would Buddhists agree that in my world there is a God? What we would consider is described in Buddhist teachings on karma or cause and effect. The experiences and the conditions that we now have arise from the causes that we created in the past. So if we believe that there is a God that is the inherent creator of our world, it's due to the fact that we created the causes to experience that effect now. Okay, so if Buddhists don't believe there's a God out there calling the shots, how do they know what's good and what's not? The Buddhist view on virtuous and non-virtuous depends upon our intention. So if we have the intention to help others, then we develop good karma. However, if we have the intention to harm others, then we develop negative karma. So Rollins poses the question, if you suddenly push the person standing next to you down onto the ground, is that good or bad? 
The answer depends on whether, for example, you intended to push them out of the way of an approaching car or into its path. However, because human beings suffer from what is called self-grasping ignorance, many times we can have the intention to help others and we can wind up harming them. Rollins says Buddhists' goal is to create enough good karma that they can eventually become a Buddha. But he says some non-Buddhists make the mistake of equating that idea with God. Buddha means awakened one. So a Buddha is not a god or a creator of our world. Merely a living being who is reliable in the sense that they have completely perfected minds of love and compassion for all living beings and only wish to help and benefit others. Rollins says every person has the potential to become a Buddha, but of course it takes a lot of work and he says that spiritual practice might not be right for everyone. Actually, Buddha said, don't believe in what I say because I'm called Buddha, but test the teachings, try them out for yourself and see if they work for you. For Philosophy Talk, I'm Zoe Corneli. Want to hear more? You can find the complete episode on iTunes Music, or for unlimited listening, become a subscriber at philosophytalk.org.